Coming up, Chris and I have escaped from an illegal research facility just to record this podcast. And I did it all with aviator shades. Next on Should This Be a Movie? That was that was dramatic. I liked was that. Was it? Yeah, that was dramatic. I liked it. Had the gravitas? It, uh, absolutely. Like, I almost felt like Highway to the Danger Zone was, like, going to start playing. With, yeah. Like, right after I put it on. But, like, I didn't. We should we, we, we should have briefly changed our musical cues just Ooh. for this episode. Ooh, that would have been great. Just straight Kenny Loggins. I mean, we're going to get sued. But um, it would have been great. Well, we could, do, we could just go with Yacht Rock, Loggins, and Messina. Yes. Era Kenny Loggins. Oh. And, like, no one will care. <laughs> No one. Yeah. No one, first of all, no one's checking for that. No. No one's online like, yo. Yeah. Is Kenny Loggins yacht rock being misused? Yeah. <laughs> no. Early Kenny Loggins? Yes. 1970s Kenny Loggins? Not at all. Not at all. We're not we're not changing it. Yeah. We're not, we're not chasing it. The guy who came for Christopher Cross's sailing crown. <laughs> um yeah, that guy. You didn't want to turn this into a yacht rock podcast? No, I did not. <laughs> I did not, Mark. Oh, so, 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 man, we have a great show for you all today. Welcome back. How's everything been, man? Um, it's hot right now. Yeah, it's hot as hell. It's hot yeah. as hell. But but difference is, it's not as hot as it was last year. Remember last year when we were in a different studio? Yes. And it was like everybody, we were sweating. Yep. Palm sweat, everything. And now we're in a better building, and it's a, only a little hot. Yeah, we used um, to look like we were just like. Came out of uh, a time to kill. Yeah, if everybody remembers very that. Very much so. Time to kill courtroom scenes. Oh like, man, like everybody's uh, just like drenched the whole oh, time. Yes, I deserve to die. And I hope they burn in hell. I love that. I love that line. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was great. And the whole time I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? So shout out to Matthew McConaughey. Yep, because he was doing his thing then. Oh uh, man. So yeah. So all right. So for this episode, guys, we are doing. Um, two movies, and then we're going to do our recommendations, and we're going to get to our first movie. Our first movie comes from Netflix. Um, Net- it's a Netflix exclusive, and it's called Spiderhead. Now, um, I'm just realizing this. I saw the movie. And, you know, we both saw the movie, and I'm just realizing Mark has informed me that it's the same director as the other movie we're going to review, but the director is what is Joseph Kaczynski. Kaczynski. Joseph Kaczynski, and it's starring Eric Newman, uh, Chris Hemsworth. It has actually a really good cast, by the way. Um, Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, Journey Smollett, and so it's a pretty, it's pretty good. Like, it's a pretty good premise. Yes, on the sci-fi film, right? Could you go into it? And so the, the basic idea is this research facility is also kind of a prison, and there's all these different people who have opted into this program that rather than be in prison. They go to this research facility where they're trying different kinds of experimental drugs on them. Um, they're all different, mostly mood altering, but although occasionally they have uh, actual physical symptoms. But it's primarily m- mood and perception um, altering drugs. And so they live in this really fancy area with good food. They can move around freely, all of that. But they basically have to commit to all these crazy different tests. Mm-hmm. Um, that push the boundaries of your sanity. Yeah. And so it goes through kind of what's the results of that. Yeah. I think um, what was interesting is that how it's 
sort of like a, I guess, a, a take on our trust in drugs and, and clinical trials and what we believe and um, also denial in well, a lot of cases. One of the things I thought it was an interesting critique of is mm-hmm. startup culture. Yeah. This is very mm. much. So, you know, um, oh, I'm forgetting which it was. I think it was a Facebook internal um, slogan was uh, move fast and break shit. I think mm-hmm. I think it was Facebook. I, I could be wrong. I yeah. could have the wrong uh, tech company. But that's what this is. Yeah. This is basically, you know, Chris Hemworth, Hemsworth is the pharmacological version of a tech bro mm-hmm. running yes. this company. And he's just like, yeah, I don't really care if this is all legal or on the up and up or mm-hmm. moral or anything like that. I just want to succeed. Yeah. And, and so I'm even, just going to do whatever I want. And yeah. it's not even necessarily about being immoral. It's about being amoral. It's mm-hmm. morality just is irrelevant, right? It's not like I'm trying to do bad things. It's I don't care. Yes. About the consequences. Because he doesn't give a shit about, like, there's lack of empathy, lack of compassion throughout the whole thing coming from him. But it's, um, it the part where I think where it leads into, like, like, um, negative, negative, like, very negative uh, points is that he he gives the illusion that he cares. Yeah. He gives the illusion that he's a friend or he's supportive to his subjects. And all in all, he's just not taking any of their situation seriously. No. You know, he's just, um, he names the drug after, like, bingo. Yeah. <laughs> after a bingo thing that he has. So it's like, it's not really, um, he's just in it for himself. And not even, like, for any, like, grand thing. It's just to do it. Well, the, the, the whole thing is yeah. that, I don't know how much you want to, well, we don't need to spoil the whole thing. Yeah. But it's all kind of a cover to actually test one drug in particular mm-hmm. indirectly. Yeah, and that's really what the whole thing is about. And he yeah. thinks it's going to be this huge transformational um, deal if they can get that in there. And you know, we were talking before we got on. This is one of those movies where the ideas and premise mm-hmm. are interesting, and so it starts out really good while it's piling up situations and ideas, and then it has to pay them off. With a story that's interesting, mm-hmm. and it all falls apart. Yeah, they uh, they drop off like two thirds into the movie, and yeah. it's just like it doesn't land well. Like, no, it does not land well. The there are certain strong performances. There's a twist for people who are into that. There's like a twist in it. You find out more nuance and certain things that happen. So how it starts off is not how it seems, and so forth and so on. But at the end of the day, it just does for me. It just didn't pay off well. No, like none of that. I was left. I I don't, I don't like watching movies, and then at the end I go so, you know what I'm saying? Like that's how I felt. Like watching, yeah. I was like, all right, that's well, cool. I mean, you know? it, it it is tough because so as we talked about, right? This is a prison supplemental program or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So they kind of reveal throughout it, like everybody's kind of done terrible things. Yeah, and I guess this is. Maybe you're supposed to you're supposed to wrestle with the ideas, you know, just because somebody's done something terrible, mm-hmm. like how far should we be willing to go to punish them or use yeah. them or whatever? But it doesn't really quite work if that's the goal. Like it's not very clear if that it and, doesn't and it, hit well. Well, to the the point where like I'm trying to figure out yeah. what like what aspects if it's trying to do anything, mm-hmm. and and it could just be like I said. They had some interesting ideas and um, tried to figure out how to turn this into a 
full movie and yeah. it just kind of petered out because they didn't really know where to go with it at the yeah, end. Yeah, the execution was not. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't. It didn't stick well. Like no. I can and like I said, watching it from the beginning, I was like, okay, this seems like an interesting concept, you know. But other than that, it's just like, eh, yeah, I'm fine. I will say I did really enjoy uh, Chris Hemsworth's performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's I think he's pretty good usually. Uh, no, I do think he he's maybe not the most versatile guy, but you put him in the right stuff, and it's great. Yeah, and this definitely works. And I will say it is a much different part than you would normally expect for him. Like, there's no action stuff. It's not doing the comedic version of, hey, look at this giant handsome guy is out of place. You know, mm-hmm. like it was in the Ghostbusters movie that worked well. No. Or his stuff that worked well in that movie. Um, it's just like, he plays a character that, quite frankly, could be played by Miles Teller, for example, who was in this movie. Yeah. Like, he very easily could have been the one in that role. And so it's just interesting to see something... A little different from him that I that part I thought really worked. I, I I agree. I think it showed some versatility from Chris Hemsworth that we don't see often. Yeah, you know, so it, it has some depth. He was he was kind of a um, unlike unlike the last movies we've been seeing from he was he's kind of a villain. Oh, for sure. You know, what I'm saying like he, he got a chance to be a dick. He and is the so villain. yeah, and not like a comic dick at all. No. Just like it was very like okay, this is a very serious role. Yeah, in 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 a situation where it's a conflicted character. So yeah, I did like that. I also thought Journey Smollett did a decent job. Yeah. Um she had she had a couple of good monologues, whatnot. Miles Teller is cool, and he's cool. Yeah, uh, he's, so yeah, he's solid. Yeah, he was solid. So he did a solid job. There was no, you know, the main characters did what they they had to do. Um, overall, I was like, this is okay. This is okay. What were your overall thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Here, here's what yeah. I would say. All right, I think this is the one where it feels perfectly solid as a Netflix movie, or I mean, just generally any straight streaming thing, mm-hmm. where you're like, yeah, I didn't leave the house and pay 15 bucks and go through all that to see the movie. I just turned it on, you know, TV, and if I got bored, I checked my email or looked online. You know, like Chris is doing right now while we're recording this podcast. And I am, I'm reviewing notes. Uh-huh. I, I'm sure that's what you're doing. Bong. <laughs> notes. So- <laughs> but, um, you know, you can do that when you get bored. And so, you yeah. know, it's perfect for that kind of movie, right? Where yeah. where your expectations, I think, are just lower, which is a whole interesting conundrum as more mm-hmm. and more things go direct to streaming or um, go, you know, the theatrical window is really short. Mm-hmm. You know, your expectations, I don't know if you feel this way, are often different um, when you turn a movie on, when it's just like you're at home on TV. Yeah. I'm going to ask a sidebar question. Okay. What was the last direct to, because I, I agree with you, my expectations mm-hmm. tend to be lower, but also I, I feel like as of late they may be rising because I've seen some really good movies. Oh, sure. Go directly. So what was, in your opinion, what was the last like, really good um, direct-to-streaming movie? Well, it's tricky, I think, a little bit because all the pandemic-related releases, there was a whole bunch that weren't Mm -hmm. really going to be that sort of are. So, I mean, you think about, like, last year's Best Picture winner, Mm -hmm. Coda. Yeah. I think it might have technically got a small theatrical release, but Mm -hmm. it basically just went straight to Apple+. Plus. Yeah. Same with the year before, same thing happened with Nomadland. It played in like a handful of drive-ins. Yeah. And then went straight to Hulu. 
Yeah. You know, so I think in the last few years there there's been quite a bit because but they weren't movies that are necessarily intended um, mm. to go that way. I will say I think um, Netflix has actually done a really good job of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, probably because they tr- keep trying to win Academy Awards and failing. Yeah. Um, but you go back to you know like Roma was great, mm-hmm. uh, Marriage Story was great. I wasn't quite as big a fan of The Irishman as some people were, yeah. um, but it's still good. Yeah. Um, uh, Mank, I loved, which definitely was not for everybody. No, it was not, but it was actually it was good. I thought it was it was good. phenomenal. Yes, but was I was like, movie. oh, David Fincher makes a black and white movie. Let's exactly. go. Exactly, Let's do it this. was good. It was good. Um, so that one was really good. So I mean, I mean, there's lots, but yeah. it'll be interesting to see how much of it has changed as we start to theaters are more open mm-hmm. and things are starting to change. You know, do we get the same thing where at the end of the year a lot of the kind of awards movies? Mm-hmm. A lot more of them are just straight streaming. Yeah. I think, um, I remember being very pleasantly surprised by Palm Springs. Oh, that was great. And I was like, because that was the time I got shocked. I was like, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch this little Hulu film. It's got Mm -hmm. Andy Samberg in it, whatever. And like by the end of it, I was like, holy shit, this probably should have been in movies, in theaters. This shit is great. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean. It was a great movie. Well, well, that's an example, because I Mm -hmm. think I could be wrong. But I think that was going to be in theaters. Yeah. Because remember, that was released in the summer of 2020. I think that was one of the early ones where it's like, mm-hmm. I guess we're going straight to streaming. Kind of yeah. like um, for a while, uh, Disney did with all their Pixar films, right? Yeah. What was it, like four in a row, something like that? Went yeah, straight so, to streaming. Yeah. You had that. Um, Turning Red was the last one. Turning Luca, Red was good, too. Luca was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most recent Encanto? one. Uh, Kanto went straight. No, that one. Uh, oh wait, no. And Kanto's not technically uh, Pixar. Okay. Um, I think that one did go to theaters, but again, it went to theaters in like 2020, so it like sorta yeah. went to theaters, but nobody saw it there. Yeah, everybody saw it at home. Um, I was gonna say, I think the last one until the most recent one, Lightyear, mm-hmm. was Onward, um, which came out right before mm. everything started. Yeah, in 2020. Man, you're right. You're so right. I mean, I mean, they've had a whole bunch go yeah. straight to streaming because of that. That is, that's true. I I, th- I think this one could have been better. I think Netflix shines when they have limited series. So when like you think so, I do. I think they shine when you have like the maybe not like an ongoing thing, but like if you have a good solid story with like four, five, like eight episodes or something about at best. Like I, like what are you thinking of? As I'm thinking of like uh, the Haunting the Hill House. Okay, that's a that's a very good one. Like mm. the stuff that they do with him. Um, I actually like Cherry Bomb, Brandy Cherry Bomb joint. It was, okay. a, little, it was a little weird, but sure. it was entertaining. Um, the documentary series are good. I yeah, enjoy- I know you love the true crime documentaries. Yeah, I love the true crime documentaries. So those are those are great, and like they're kind of one offs with like mm-hmm. four or five episodes, and then it's done. But it's like it's it's super entertaining and informative, and I feel like it works sure. for them. But I don't think not all. Some of the movies are good, but like, not all of them hit well, right? Well, I think some of it's also just like a volume thing, right? They put mm-hmm. out whatever it is, 50, 60 movies every year, and you're yeah. like, at the end of the year, you look like five or six of them are really good, and it's mm-hmm. like, wow, is that really that different than any yeah. other thing where, you know, true. you release a bunch of stuff, and yeah, a few of them are great. Yeah. I mean, it's just true of movies, I think, generally. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So yeah, so that being said... Um, should this be a movie? 
Spiderhead. This is, I think, actually one of the ones that's like hardest to answer because mm-hmm. it's not clearly yes or no. Mm. It's one of those like I'm just kind of like, if it does, sure. Yeah. <laughs> if they hadn't have made it, that's fine. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I I think. Uh, I'm I'm leaning more towards no. Okay. I think it would be a, a it would have been a great episode of like a sci-fi. Sure. Anthology. So you would have preferred if, like, instead of a two-hour movie, uh-huh. it was a one-hour, like, Black Mirror episode. Yep. Or Absolutely. Twilight Zone or something like that. Black Mirror. Because it, it, it has a little bit of pretentiousness with it. There you so go. So that, that's why it's Black Mirror. <laughs> but I, I think I think that it would have been better as that and not an actual sure. um, movie. Because it was it felt like after a while it just dragged and I was like, where is this going? Yeah. And I felt like if you, you cut, if you would have cut it down a little bit more and just... Compiled that. Well, the, the other thing that I think is interesting with this one, I think that kind of goes into both how it was made, but maybe, maybe also why, mm-hmm. is this was a movie that was probably very easy to make with COVID protocols. Because you think about this was produced during COVID times, when yeah. it was actually made. There's, I mean, there's some extras, but it's like the primary cast is like six people. And there's never more than, like, three people in a room at a time. And they're almost all, like, standing far away from each other. Mm -hmm. And so it's probably one of those that was just, I would assume, very easy to make. Yeah. In, um, you know, the COVID COVID period. Yeah. Definitely COVID. I think that might have something to do with it, too. I agree. I agree. All right. Tate's got that one. Hold on. All right, and we're back, and we're back to discuss the big boy. All right, this has been one of the most anticipated uh, sequels for quite some time. We had mentioned it before uh, with the trailer for like what, like how many years? Like, well, the the original trailer I think came out in twenty might have been twenty nineteen even. Really? Yeah. Because the movie was originally coming out in twenty twenty. Yeah, that's when it was supposed to come out. This is one of those that so we were just talking about you know pandemic releases and the way mm-hmm. it's changed this was one of the ones they're like no this is not going straight to streaming no this will go to the theaters and we'll push it back however long it takes exactly for people to be actually able to see it in the theater they were not fucking playing with that one they were yeah. they were serious about pushing it back they waited for the rollout and everything yeah so yeah they were dead serious about that and that is the long-awaited sequel which um top gun maverick now top gun maverick is uh, directed by somebody you may all find familiar um, Joseph Kaczynski. <laughs> yep. Same guy. It's the Joseph Kaczynski episode. It, it is. And the Miles Teller episode. Yep. Miles Teller episode. So, yeah, it stars Miles Teller. But, um, you know. Stars Miles Teller. Yeah, I'm being that guy. I'm being that guy. Only because we just talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it stars a little known actor named Todd Cruz. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Um, so maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you've heard of him. He's he's done this before. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> And so yeah, it's a it's a definitely longer way to sequel, and it's of course it's a pop culture frenzy. Like oh sure, you know it's definitely with the pilots, the um, the whole thing about the the action sequences and all the things. And so there's a lot of like definitely see the first Top Gun if you want to get all of it. But I do think on that end, it holds its own as its own story. Oh, for sure, in a lot of ways it holds its own as its own story. So it's just the the first one gives you more insight. And you get all the inside, um, inside material. So yeah, so this one actually has a, of course, a good cast with it. You, as we stated before, Tom Cruise, um, David Ellison, Miles Teller, Jennifer Connelly, 
You have John Hamm. Um, Ed Harris is in the building. Uh, you know, special appearance by uh, Val Kilmer. Yeah. And that that's cool. Uh, you had, um, what's his name? Uh, the dude from, from Insecure, Lawrence. Oh. Yeah. That I'm, guy. I'm blanking on names. Yeah, he's 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 in it because that that's what one of the things I was. Oh, Jay Ellis, that's his name, Jay Ellis. Because I was like, oh, black people. So <laughs> so so you had that. But um, overall, let's get into the movie, man. Go ahead. Um, so yeah. I I thought this was great. Mm-hmm. Um, great fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think it's surprisingly better than the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think now I don't know how much of it has to do with. You know, age matters. Like, mm-hmm. I'm too young to have ever seen Top Gun in the theater. Yeah. So that was probably a very different experience. My, mm. my, you know, experience with it is watching it on, like, TNT when I'm, like, nine. Yeah. On cable with commercials and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think this one is less... It's not... Well, something not cheesy in the same ways. There, there's a little bit of, like, ah... Mm-hmm. Coming, calling back to this other thing, yeah. But it's, but I think it is a little more interesting and slightly more nuanced. Now it's, yeah. I'm not, it's not nuanced generally, mm-hmm. but compared to the original Top Gun, 100. percent Um, you know, it, it's a little less ridiculous. And also, you know, you mentioned Jennifer Connelly being in this movie. Mm-hmm. It is nice if the romance that's going to be in kind of like the movie's going to surround. Yeah. Involves people that actually have chemistry together, Absolutely. which this one does. Yes, first one, eh, eh. not so much. No, it was, and it didn't feel forced. No, they seem like they really, um, you you understand the relationship. Yeah, even if it even if it has ups and downs, you understand the relationship. I think that this this particular story did well at as you stated before presenting nuance. Um, they you get to see the struggle honestly and the imperfections of Maverick. Yeah, the main character, like you know, he's messed up, you yeah, know, what yeah. I'm saying? and he's sort of like he still has struggle accepting responsibility. It's about healing from past issues. Uh, there's 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 a lot of turmoil in like him trying to protect the younger ones. Yes, versus letting them grow. Well, it's definitely. Yeah. I mean, th- this is, I think, him truly trying to come to terms mm-hmm. with his grief decades later yeah of his friend almost family member goose who dies in the first one yeah spoiler alert spoiler for a 35 year old i'm about movie. to say yeah 35 year old movie i'm you uh, know a movie that's like yeah. old enough to run for president exactly you can uh you can throw away your vhs now i'm sorry <laughs> yeah <laughs> we gave it away yes <laughs> but um you know here like you can tell he's been dealing with this this whole time and mm-hmm. you know by dealing with his son who's played by miles teller yeah it, feel, it feels like they <laughs> finally get to some sort of, you know, closure in mm-hmm. everything that happens yeah. with their relationship. It it wraps up really well. Yeah. It wraps up really well. I all right, so I'm gonna go with the star of the whole movie. Okay. And that's the action sequences. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, because you know, there's a story, and it's actually a good story. I'm not hating on the story at all. Like yeah. it's a good story. There's good, there's good a, a character arc development. Things like that, relationships that have issues and they get worked out, and and some are like you know there there's warm goodbyes and all types of shit. However, a child in me is like, look at those fucking planes. You know what I'm saying? So, oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, this is the way with all action movies, right? So like, yeah. let's be real. Mm. 
like at least fifty percent of the reason mm-hmm. everybody went to see this movie is playing Go Fast. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like that's why we're there. Look, when you go to a John Wick movie, yeah, you're waiting for him to kill somebody with a book. One hundred percent. You're not for the, there for him to like talk yeah. to like some other assassin over like bourbon for like two minutes. It's good. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun when him and Common share drinks and threaten, yeah. but like talk about professional courtesy together. Yeah. That's a good time. Nah, but you know what? But, Is that the key reason we're there? No. no. I want to no. hear, I want to see him beat people up and blow shit up. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, you just need dialogue good enough to stand in between the scenes. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not like you're just going in there and watching people fight for two hours. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit too much. You know, you need you know, a sympathetic thing. You need maybe like a love interest, uh, an unsafe dog. You know, sure. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So yeah, and then you do it. But this movie was definitely, as you pointed out before, uh, off air, you said this was Mission Impossible. Oh yeah, I mean, like yeah. halfway through, it definitely turns into like, you know, Planes Impossible. Yes, yes. Um, where you know, it kind of, it's it's not just about like, hey, here's the hotshot Navy pilots. It's there's this secret nuclear facility in this again unnamed country. That mm-hmm. is totally not Iran. Totally I mean, not I mean, Iran. It's a hundred percent not Iran. Could but never let's be, be clear, Iran. yeah, because they are very clear to not tell you who it is. Mm-hmm. And of all the countries, is it's definitely not Iran. Not Iran. You, you can know. definitely tell. Yeah, you yeah. can clearly tell that the country, the secular nu- the secret nuclear program that mm-hmm. has mountains with snow on them yeah. right off the ocean is definitely. If it's any country, yeah, it's clearly not Iran. Not at all. Don't ever confuse it for <laughs> anything else. But as um, they go through this, you know, mission and they're training the whole time because nobody can do it. Nobody can do it. <laughs> and it's the whole it's like the whole plot of the movie. Right. In the is, world is there's like nobody can do it. But, you know, who can't do it. Tom Cruise can do it. That's right. Maverick can do it. <laughs> yeah. Which is which honestly is a part of me that I rolls at that. But yeah. that's OK. <laughs> it's fine. Well, but again, that, look, it, it, it's that's the part that's the cheesy part we're mm-hmm. here for. Yeah. You know, where it's like. You know, okay, when you go see uh, romantic comedy, mm-hmm. especially ones that are kind of like post When Harry Met Sally version of them, like yeah. the ones we grew up with in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know how it's going to end. Yeah. We, 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 we've been here before. We've done this rodeo. Yeah. Right? We're here for the charm and the fun of it all, mm-hmm. even if the steps from A to B to C totally... are steps we've all taken before. Yeah. And, and so it's just about how well do you do that yeah. story that we're all we, we know what's gonna happen. Yeah, we know everybody's gonna it's end like, up. What's together your at the take end. on it? Yeah, yeah. Is they gonna story? And you get that vibe in For certain sure. cases on it. Yeah, you definitely get that vibe. He's definitely has main character energy. Yeah, and so that was like we need you. you oh know, yeah, you are the one that can lead this new generation of pilots. Yeah, we're, it, all, we're all strong in their own right. It's you know? it's yeah. not quite as silly and. Uh, fun, but in a not serious, like unintentional fun way. Yeah, as the Mark Wahlberg movie Shooter, where he's mm. only he's the sniper that can solve these problems. Uh. He's the best, but he's retired, so they have to get him out of retirement. Yes, because only Mark Wahlberg can do this one task. That's about as overrated as the Wahlbergers. Oh no, no, <laughs> Shooter! Shooter yeah. is a ton of fun. Yeah, but not because it's good. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> it's very entertaining. Yes. I mean, it is very reminiscent of like the like 
B tier Schwarzenegger movies like mm-hmm. Commando. Yeah. Oh, You're right. Yeah. This is not Terminator Two: Judgment Day. No. This is Commando. This is Commando. Gotcha. That is Mark gotcha. Wahlberg's Commando. Gotcha. All right. So, with, but anyway, yeah. No, but like, with, with Top Gun, I, with Maverick, I would say it did it did the thing that you don't see often, is that you have a sequel or like a a long sequel. Um, Because we're talking about a 30-some year difference. Well, I mean, that's an interesting thing is we're starting to get more of these legacy sequels Mm -hmm. where it's this, um, you know, the funny one we just got earlier this year was The Scream. Yeah, Scream. And they talk about legacy sequels. Which is, you know, very much about it. But it's this idea of, yeah, you have some characters from the originals, but it takes place with a bunch of new characters, mm-hmm. long time in between. You know, we've gotten an Indiana Jones one like that. Mm-hmm. The newest Jurassic Park slash world movie is sort of like that. Yeah. You know, obviously, um, when they relaunched the Star Wars films, yep. you know, with The Force Awakens was one of those. Um, I don't know if technically Mad Max Fury Road quite counts because they recast Mad Max. Yeah. But that one sort of is. Mm-hmm. Um, and is kind of, and if it counts, it's probably like best case scenario. Yeah, for one of these like this, it it, it was. Amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting that they're kind of in vogue, and I do think this was a better oh, on the better was. end of those. It was one hundred percent better. I I really liked because when I saw Top Gun, I kind of took it as like cheesy eighties movie. Yeah. You know, like it had all the things. It was one hundred percent homoerotic, um, which is fun. Oh, uh, so I mean, <laughs> intentionally so. If yeah. You, if you if you ever listen to uh, Tony Scott, the director of the original one, uh-huh. talk about it. Yeah, it's hilarious. And then to see it, like there's the the famous beach volleyball scene. V- yes, in the original one, he actually talked about in an interview. He wasn't sure exactly how to film it, mm-hmm. and he took his inspiration from gay porn. Yes. So like that's, that's what we're working with in the original Top Gun. That is great. And this one, they did football, shirtless football. Everyone had shirts off though. You know, as somebody that. As a yeah. sports fan, uh-huh. I have a lot of questions about dogfight football. Totally, totally. Um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go it on and ask. What would, <laughs> scale of one to ten? How much sense did that make? Dogfight football? No, no, no. That scene. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, the yeah. football scene on the yeah, beach. Yeah. Uh, like a three. Mm, like it's not. Gotcha. Yeah. Completely out of there, but you're like, why? I have a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't get how this exactly works. I was like. Why are we doing this? I know yeah. why we're doing this, but why are we doing this? Yeah, and that's I was like, just I was like, also you yeah. can just have them play rugby on the beach, and it's kind of sort of what you're trying to get at. But you can't, you can't have baby all no. doing rugby. You're, there's way too many clothes in rugby. Yeah, yeah. So no, you needed something where people needed to be naked or half naked, oiled up, mm-hmm. and on the beach. And yep. let's let's face it, man, it's 2022. We're not playing volleyball right now. No. They're playing football, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, old up football. They're going to do this. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I was I laughed at that, but uh, at the end of it, at the end of it, what was your takeaways from it? Well, b- before we yeah. get to that, there, there's uh, two other performances I want to call out because oh, they were small. Oh, yeah. But I think great. Okay, go ahead. So, the first one was Glenn Powell mm. as the shit heel pilot mm. is just a ton of fun. You know, yeah. as the like, oh, I'm I'm the best, but I don't like anybody and I don't care and I don't like anybody's feelings and whatever. You know, he is just like, oh man, how how is he not like Hangman? Yeah, he plays Hangman. Yes. And I was just like, he just 
is like a reincarnation of people like Billy Zapka who played like high school bullies in the 80s mm-hmm. and in like the best way possible. He's I, fantastic. What the, he was he was good. He was an asshole. I would say yeah. that he didn't they tried to make him like I guess the new Iceman. Kind of. But really, he was the new Maverick. <laughs> well, he's kind of well yeah. it, it's interesting cuz he's kind of both. Yeah. That, yeah. That's I think the thing it's if there's something that's kind of interesting about his character, mm-hmm. which isn't much because he's mostly a stereotype. Yeah. But is that he's kind of like in between the two of them. Mm. He has like elements of both of them. Yeah. He which up, is interesting. Yeah. He ends up pulling pulling it off. And yeah. he has he has some redemption too. The the other one I loved was John Hamm mm-hmm. as the guy who he doesn't know about this. Yeah. <laughs> he's going along with it, but he doesn't agree he doesn't with these know. decisions. Yes. And yeah. he is just he my man is throwing 104 miles an hour mm. in the, like, fourth inning of a 14-2 to two game. Like, his part is so superfluous. Yeah. And it's just, like, it could be so, like, run-of-the-mill. Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm treating this like season four of Mad Men. Yeah. I'm giving it, I'm giving it everything. He's going to give it, yeah. For this, like, dumb part that, like, it has to be there for the story. But is but isn't like that important in the in the scheme of things? Listen, man, don't sleep on John Hamm. He's no, no, I love John Hamm. That's why I loved it. Him. Is he yeah. <laughs> like this is kind of his movie thing? You know, he mm-hmm. did the same thing in the town. Yeah, where he's like the miscellaneous FBI agent yep. who's just kind of around, but he like was serious. But like it's like man, he's he's really given it. Yeah, it's like, like yo, you, you give are it to really him. taking this shit seriously, John. Yeah, this and, is crazy. And the last thing I think we do have to. He has some special ups to Val Kilmer. So for those who don't mm-hmm. know, yeah. he's dealing with some like real serious health issues. He's mm-hmm. completely lost his voice yeah. and all that. And they found a way to incorporate it into this that didn't feel exploitative, which yeah. that is a hard, a hard, hard yeah. place to find. It was it was a sweet dedication. I yeah. think it was good to have him involved in it. For you sure. know what I'm saying? I, I thought it was I thought it was really cool to kinda and then it He's important to the story too. Yes. Yeah, and I I think that was a, I thought that took a lot of heart. That well, of heart I, I think it's just me. important as like you're like, so Maverick has done all this BS throughout mm-hmm. his career. Mm-hmm. How is he still like doing okay? And you realize like, oh, he became best friends with like an admiral, a yeah. guy who did all the right things, and basically just like covered up for him and like mm-hmm. helped him along the whole way. Yeah. And so he's had this guy kind of looking out for him the whole time. Yeah. And it kind of pays off to, you know, how they went from being like enemies to friends and mm-hmm. the bond they have. And like it, it's real emotional. They're yeah, it is. Together. I thought that was good. They had a good like heart to heart talk. Yeah. Um and it was it was very pivotal. I was wondering how they were gonna I remember watching the the trailer, like how are they gonna fit him into this? For sure. Yeah, like at first, I thought it was just going to be like a, a throwaway callback line, right? Because yeah. it's like, obviously, he's not really acting anymore, and he can't talk. But they made that they made it work, and yeah. I thought that that was really good. Yeah, because like, there's the scene earlier where you see, like, his picture, and they reference him, and you're like, yeah. oh, he's going to be, like, doing stuff off screen, and yeah. we're never going to see him. But then they bring him in, and yeah, like, halfway, halfway through, and mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah, so solid, solid. Uh, all right, so what are, what are your takeaways, sir? I mean, I would say this definitely should have existed, surprisingly so. Yeah, this is, yeah, same. Like, this, I would not have thought we needed a Top Gun sequel 35 years later after, like, Tony Scott had died, so he can't direct it. Mm-hmm. And most of the rest of the cast, like, can't be in it. Yeah. Um, And aren't going to really be there. It's just Tom Cruise. No. But no. you know what? 
Made it work. They made it work. And yeah, this should be a movie. I like the fact that they did this with, with a level of class and depth that yeah. in some cases didn't exist with the first movie. No. No. So No, this one this one is a, is much more introspective. Yeah. I think. And I was like, oh, this is actually good. Yeah. What the fuck? So yeah. Totally, totally. This should be a movie, man. This is good. All right. All right. Welcome. Welcome back. All right. So now we're at recommendations. Uh, Mark, you go first. What was your recommendation for this episode? So I was going to recommend the miniseries We Own the City. Mm. Um, I don't know if it actually aired on HBO or just HBO Max. Yeah. I watched on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, it's out there now. It's a six-episode series. Um, brought to you by David Simon and George Pelicanos. Okay. David Simon, you know, created all kinds of TV shows and worked all kinds of things. But the one most relevant to this is The Wire. Yeah. Uh, George Pelicanos, who's a you know author who worked as a writer on the author on uh, on The Wire. Um, they worked together on things like The Deuce after it, mm-hmm. and so he, you know, the two of them kind of co-ran the show. Uh, it's based on the this time. It's based on a real story. That takes place in the Baltimore police, um, mm-hmm. not, you know, a inspired by true events like The Wire is about their gun trace uh, task force and how basically they were a criminal gang operating in, within the police department. Um, but it, I think one of the, the things that really this shows is how much groups like this are made. And mm. it's not just a bunch of rogue people come in and start problems. It's a bunch of people that have some bad tendencies. Their bad tendencies get encouraged. Mm -hmm. And so they grow and they fester and become this huge problem. And so it attacks the institutional problem is not necessarily just about there being bad people out there, but that the institutions promote and build up those bad people. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're not in spite of, but they're there because of the way the institutions are operating yeah. and the things that are there in place. Um, and plus, at the center, uh, John Bernthal as Wayne Jenkins just kills it. I mean, Bernthal is always great. Yeah, he is. I'm always excited when he shows up in something. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he is awesome in there. Um, yeah. Wayne Jenkins is a very memorable character for okay. good and bad reasons. He's at times very funny, and I don't know if he's necessarily supposed to be. Um, but you might find yourself just like randomly quoting uh, Wayne Jenkins, okay, all the time, just like people quote The Wire to this day. Yeah. Um. So he was great. You know, there, there's a bunch of former Wire actors who show up in there. Yeah, her. Um, yeah. J- just like a lot of times, quite frankly, in the David Simon universe, you know, he brings the same people back over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so that that part's really interesting. I will say, um, if you're going to watch it, this is a TV show that you need to put some focus into because it's told non-linear. And Mm. not just, like, episode by episode, but within an episode. Within an episode, we might, you might move around in time, like, seven or eight times in the course of, like, an hour. Oh. Um, Now, they they do a little thing where it shows kind of, like, the date when they switch Mm -hmm. most of the time. But you do really need to kind of pay attention because otherwise you're going to be confused because, like, some parts of it are back in 2002 to 2012, 2018. Then mm. it'll go to 2014, then to 2006, then to 2016. Oh, and geez, it'll it bounce around. around. Yeah. So um, it definitely requires a little more. I, I mean, you got you got to pay attention. 
This yeah. is not a TV show to, you know, be ter- checking Twitter while you're watching. Yeah. 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 Okay. Definitely. It's, so that was my recommendation. Pay attention to that one. All right. All right. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. So mine is actually a movie that just came out recently uh, called The Black Phone. Now, I'm a huge fan of horror films. When I saw the trailer for this, I was knee-deep into it. Um, this is actually comes from a short story um, by the same name by Joe Hill, who is um, the son of Stephen King. And Joe Hill has been really killing it in general. Um, I know he does the thing called Lock and Key, which is on... He wrote Lock and Key, which is uh, part of Netflix, and that was doing his thing. So he's been kind of like getting himself in for like adaptations and writing. Uh, the Black Phone is a, I wouldn't say like it's a horror film, but it's more so of a thriller. Okay. In a sense, because it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a serial killer. Uh, it's a guy who's a serial killer in the 70s, and he kidnaps children. And so he ends up kidnapping this guy, um, this little kid, and lots him in the basement because I think he like just has him in the basement for like a, a week of torture. Okay. A sense. And in the in that basement there's a phone and the phone is dead and off the hook. But um it rings and when it rings, it's like the voice of past children that have been um abducted by him giving him tips on how to survive. Now I was like, you know, I was interested in the premise, so I went to go see it, but it definitely had a lot more depth than I thought. Uh, it was a little bit. Um, it had its creepy moments, but mm-hmm. overall, the the star of the show was the tension. You know, what I'm saying it just built up a lot of tension. At some point, you're on the edge of your seat, like, "Holy shit, what's gonna happen?" You know. And I thought it was really good. I wouldn't say the the young actors uh, were really great. The the boy, and I'm, I'm getting his name right now. Uh, he was he was really good. Very standout. His name's Mason Thames. Uh, he was a standout. On it, and also the girl, the girl plays his little sister, um, Madeline McGraw. She was dope because she's like, she's like the little sister, but she's kind of a psychic, okay, in a sense. So she would have dreams of different abductions and things like that. What I thought was weird is like the police just automatically trusted her. Oh. Like it was like, oh, so what do you think happened, little girl? <laughs> I was like, that doesn't make sense, but okay, cool. <laughs> like normally, you know, you get the like, she's nine, yo, she's yeah. nine, you know, but they were like. Yeah, but you know, you you dream this, and no one else no one else knows this information pu- publicly. So, and they and she eventually, you know, is very integral in the the detective part, you know, of finding her brother. But um, it had a lot of heart. I want to, and also Ethan Hawke was dope. Ethan Hawke is scary as shit in this, and the mass situation mm-hmm. is just awesome. I like the mass situation. I like. I like the way that he, it, it didn't do like your traditional, you know, keeps the lotion on the skin, I'm going to keep you in the basement type deal. Um, it just did it in a in a very cool and clever way. Okay. Uh, they, there was a lot of like, you definitely get a sense of the emotion and you, you care about the characters who are no longer here too. So like they go into the background, like it was about five, five um, kids you you hear their okay. voices and then they go into their background about how they got abducted how they didn't make it mm-hmm. and he knows some of these kids because it's a small town in like Denver uh, and it's so it's like oh yeah you're that guy you know and I thought it was a good story overall definitely definitely worth a, a watch like it was a it was a solid film sound um, from your description kind of reminds me of the movie Split yeah yeah kind of like that it has a lot more. Um, it does have a have a split vibe to it, mm. 
But it it definitely it plays out differently. No, yeah, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not saying the same film. It, I'm just saying there's... It, nah, if I were to say it, it's like a combination of Split and maybe like a 7 type deal. Okay. that Because it has like that, like, almost like detective thing. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, it it goes well. Like it's it's chilling. It has a good little um, good story behind it, and it's and it's one of those things where it's like there's horror, but it's still heartwarming. Like you know, you're a little bit like you care about these characters, and I think that's different. Like sometimes you know you have some horror films, and it's like these one dimensional characters. Sure. And you're like, all right, cool. I hope the the killer loses, but whatever. You know, but um, sometimes you don't even feel that. You don't. You don't. You just be like, all right, cool. <laughs> this death is going to be dope. You know? Got him. <laughs> yeah, got him. Nah, this one you actually give a shit. Like, I was like, oh, man, I hope this happens. I hope that I hope there's some redemption. And and the payoff is great. The payoff is great in so many ways. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that, that film. Okay. Highly recommend. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right, man. So that's the end of this episode. Oh, uh, man, thank you so much for um, joining us and listening to us. Mark, this has been fun. Yeah. I'm glad. Um, and if, if anything, to be outside of the heat. Like, to not be outside right now is the shit. It is 90-something degrees. Yep. Not fun. Not fun. Uh, so I hope you all are at home in in a nice, comfy weather whenever you hear this and also watching the movies. And we look forward to seeing you soon or hearing from you soon and hear you up with more movies. Thank you all for listening. Bye. by On Purpose Recordings. Created and produced by Chris Blunt. Mixed and edited by Joff Gibbs.